water, earth, fire, air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang, and although his airbending skills are great, he still has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to What's Oppa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week, we want to give a special shout out to our friend Julia, who read the intro. This is episode 44 of our podcast, where we'll be discussing the beach. Yay, fun, tropical, getaway. <laughs> Fitting for the weather outside. Mm-hmm. It is the summer. Yes, it's summertime in Avatar world and in Oppo world and in real world. To introduce this episode, I have a couple of fun facts. This episode, called The Beach, was written by Katie Matilla, who was chosen to write this episode because of her prior experience portraying Zuko's angsty teen personality (laughs) in other potentially romantic comedic situations. In the tale of Zuko from the Tales of Ba Sing Se, mm-hmm. and another fun fact: this is her first full episode that she wrote by herself. Nice. So some more fun facts, and I couldn't corroborate these. They are from a website called Dong Bu Feng, which I believe is Mandarin for the Sacred East Wind. It's a Avatar fandom website that did behind the scenes facts as the show came out. Now, you can't access it today. You have to go to Wayback Machine to even be able to access it. (laughs) And I believe it exists in Tumblr form now. Wow. But they never ported all the data. So, you know, take these with a grain of salt. But they say that the original swimsuit designs applied to Azula, May, and Ty Lee, created by Brian Konitsko, Uh, created controversy in Nickelodeon Standards and Practices Division that they were, quote, too sexy for Nick, unquote, at a point earlier in production (laughs) and they had to be redrawn. I'm curious what they were because I feel like this episode is already a bit raunchy. You think? Just a little. I mean, you know. Yeah, I wasn't able to get them. I'm curious what the more extreme version is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) I'm so certain that the internet has all the answers for you, Anand. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Anand, why do you want to know, huh? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. Um, some more fun facts also from this website. So again, take it with a grain of salt. Um, apparently the A story of the beach that you know we'll talk about in a bit, which is the enemies uh, was originally supposed to be the B story however they wanted to flesh out some more character details in Azula's team and so the plans were eventually changed to make it the A story instead of the B story. I too have a couple of facts I suppose this one comes courtesy of Dong Feng as <laughs> well uh, but I think it is corroborated by uh, some of the writers. But 
part of this episode, especially the campfire scene and like the relationships and stuff like that, were based off of the movie The Breakfast Club, which I believe is the second time this season the writers are going to a movie for inspiration after Footloose for the headband episode. Mm. So, you know, this one is definitely going to be a filler. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. It's a good. Ep- it's, it's good. Are you calling Zuko alone filler? Oh, yeah. Uh, that was based on multiple it was based on a genre, movies and yeah. tropes and was more comprehensive. It was based on a genre, more sophisticated. <laughs> mm. I think we'll see later in this episode that this one is also based on multiple movies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, but yeah, I guess speaking of one thing I did learn while kind of researching this episode is that beach episodes are apparently a trope of a lot of animes because in general, a lot of animes uh, need filler episodes so that they can produce as many episodes as they can, but they still need people to watch it. So they put people in bathing suits to get people to watch it. <laughs> but I think one thing that this episode does well and is interesting is it kind of sets it up to be like a silly like beach episode, but it becomes very serious towards the end. So it kind of subverts that trope a little bit, which is cool. Mm. It's more than just fan service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. So we start this episode off going towards Ember Island, and we're on a ship, and it's being pulled by an animal. So this is a new animal. We haven't seen it before, and it's a manatee whale. Mm. And oh, wow. According to the wiki, this is Avatar's version of a tugboat. Or, sorry, according to the extras. We see a lot of cool animals in this one as well. Mm-hmm. And they're on the boat, and Tylee is excited about lounging around all day on the beach. And Zuko, uh, in character, is very upset about, you know, anything and nothing. (laughs) So they get to Ember Island, and they're welcomed by Lo and Lee. And they're in some peculiar clothing, and the extras here calls it their comfy clothes. (laughs) So they go into their house, um, and Zuko says that it smells like old lady. And uh, fun fact, the extras here says that old lady is a combination of heavy perfume, mothballs, and mints. (laughs) And they're walking around the house, they're taking everything in, and then Lo and Lee say, we know you're upset that you were forced to come here this weekend, but Ember Island is a magical place. Give it a chance, and it can help you understand yourselves and each other. So I just want to make a couple comments here. So their house is actually really, really cool. Um, you know, beyond the seashell bedspread, which I think is pretty sick. Uh, the interior of the house is like super ornamental. It has like wallpaper and chandelier and fine rugs. And if you guys have ever watched Howl's Moving Castle, it reminds me a lot of Howl's room with the amount of or- ornamentation mm. in there. Yeah, that's cool. And this beach house once was owned by Lo and Lee's parents. Mm. So this is a very, very old house. Um, and then Lo and Lee say, time to hit the beach while taking the robes off and they just throw them off. <laughs> that was always disturbing. Yeah, it's very, it very is. disturbing. I feel bad, you know, we're making fun of these nice old ladies. <laughs> That's probably what Anand was referencing. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Earlier. Um but yeah, uh, another fun fact. Apparently, Lo and Lee are Azula's firebending mentors, but they don't even firebend. So it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, you know, especially coming off last episode. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess like uh, the first scene we see of Azula is her practicing lightning bending and then like Lo and Lee are, I guess, coaching her. Yeah, um, but then May covers Zuko's eyes, which I think is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty funny. Um, the silliness is beginning. One thing that uh, Lo and Lee are teaching Azula on this episode is they're teaching her how to have fun. So still mentoring in some mm-hmm. way. But anyways, uh, the next scene is Team Avatar and they're just swimming and hanging out in this little like watering hole. And then Toph is like, Aang, I know swimming is fun and all, but do you really think you should be exposing yourself like that? Cover up. Yeah. So I believe Toph says this. Yeah. And my question is like, how does Toph know he only has pants on? (laughs) Does that Mm. imply that she can see like everyone including their clothes clothes (laughs) at all times (laughs) that is a good question yeah um and another comment here because the fire nation is based off a lot off japan it's very common for people to hide their tattoos in japan um the same way Aang has hide his tattoos here uh except in japan you might be you know confused for the yakuza Mm. Mm. that's funny yeah which, honestly, if you're just a regular brainwashed Fire Nation, you know, person, you might think, like, Team Avatar is a band of mercenaries going around killing people. It's not too far <laughs> off. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely thought this is a bit of a goof also, unless Toph really is, uh, you know, everyone's exposed to her, which is unfortunate for everybody, including her. <laughs> um <laughs> But Aang's like, what? I'm wearing chunks. And Toph is like, what if someone sees you? And Katara says, there are walls all around us. It's completely safe. And then Aang swims down this tunnel and he does this. It's like a water slide. Looks really fun. And then at the bottom of the tunnel, some Fire Nation soldiers see him coming out of the tunnel. um, And they're like so stunned because they're like, oh, my God, the Avatar's alive. We better send a messenger hawk to the Fire Lord. Um, And yeah, basically, these soldiers have nothing to do most of the time. Um, and they're getting to send a black ribbon message, which is very exciting for them. Um, so we're getting some insight into the communication systems of the Fire Nation. Yeah, more cool uses of animals here. Um, a lot of animals with jobs in this episode. <laughs> Apparently, messenger hawks are unique to the Fire Nation. So if you ever see one, you know it's coming from the Fire Nation, um, <laughs> as opposed to ostrich horsebacks, which are exclusive to the Earth Kingdom in how they mm. spread messages. Hmm. yeah i feel like that's a interesting that's pretty like it's like almost bad that's too obvious uh if you see a messenger hawk flying in the <laughs> air like you know that there's going to be some juicy mm. info in it mm-hmm. i have another fun fact though about the messenger hawk um apparently zuko was originally supposed to have a messenger hawk as an animal companion um and this messenger hawk was supposed to have a rivalry with momo um but they ditched that idea Mm. which i like i feel like zuko like shouldn't have a Mm. companion you know (laughs) iroh was his companion yeah yeah, it would have been like a completely different show if zuko had a (laughs) companion zuko would have never been alone i know yeah so everything worked out (laughs) although if he had like also a lemur i think that would be incredibly funny Mm mm-hmm Momo already gets into so much trouble. Like, imagine what what would happen if there's a Fire Nation lemur. There could be a uh, Tails 
episode where it's Momo and Zuko's lemur and they just become friends and make <laughs> shenanigans around Bossing Say. That would be cute. All right, then we flash back to the main storyline and we see Team Fire, as we'll now be calling them, uh, walking around the beach trying to find a spot. Um, and then Azula actually just steps <laughs> on these two little kids' sandcastle for absolutely no reason. And you hear like the little uh, like Azula motif in the background as she does it, very <laughs> menacing. And then we also see, you know, Ty Lee in action, or rather not in action, as these boys just approach her and ask her if she needs help unpacking. And then they set up the blanket for her and are like fanning her and she gets a lot of attention, uh, which Azula is kind of um, miffed by. And then soon after, Azula sees some people playing Kawhi Ball and kind of smiles. And, you know, they're about to get in on that action. So some fun facts about Kawhi Ball. Um, apparently, it's very similar to... CPAC Takraw. I'm definitely butchering that. It is a Southeast Asian sport, kind of like volleyball, but you cannot play with your hands. Um, so, you know, that's exactly what this game is. Quite in Mandarin is fast, so it could be like fastball. Hmm. And from the wiki, this game, you play on a circular court divided by a net, and the object of the game is to hurl the ball over the net using your feet and points are scored by having the ball hit the ground on the opposing team. So very, very similar to volleyball. Except, I guess, you can touch the net, which happens <laughs> later in this game. Yeah, or burn it <laughs> to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Azula calls Team Fire to action and tells them that they're going to play next. Uh, we see Tylee um, leave her legion of boys, and then we also see... Zuko rip off his robe and then we see these like doves flying in the background and all of these girls just <laughs> giggling. Yeah, so from the extras, this is an homage to John Woo. Um, and so John Woo is a very renowned Hong Kong film director and he's known for his distinctive and influential cinematography. Um, and his approach combines Western action with traditional Hong Kong film techniques, which is like a blend of intense, very stylish, and um, yeah, action-packed, stunning movies. And uh, one of his innovations is the use of slow motion and fast-paced editing. And because of that, he can create like kind of a heightened sense of tension and drama. And he's known for using a lot of motifs and visual symbolism. Um, and doves are actually one of his most frequent symbols in his films, representing peace and purity amid chaos and violent circumstances. So I'm not exactly sure this is the most fitting scene for peace amongst chaos, but uh, Zuko definitely, at least later in this season, is exactly that. <laughs> wow. That's so much deeper than I thought that I interpreted this uh, brief <laughs> clip. Um, but yeah. that's pretty cool. I feel like the doves are just like, um, at least in like, I don't know, in like, pop culture maybe american pop culture i feel like it's just like the badass moment that's like where like somebody like emerges from like the fire or something you know mm. um but mm. yeah anyways uh, i guess a fun fact that i learned is that like this is a trope called fan service which justin mentioned earlier but i guess it's a common facet of anime um and it's when you just 
give the fans what they want, <laughs> which is this moment. Um, so yeah, that that was something new I learned. Yeah, and Team Zuko Zula completely destroys everyone here. They they win by a huge margin. Also, you know, burning down <laughs> burning down the net. And Azula says, yes, we defeated you for all time. You will never rise from the ashes of your shame and humiliation. Well, that was fun. Um, and then seeing this, Chan approaches them and invites him to his party later that night. And then Tylee says, sure, I love parties. And then this mysterious other guy says, your friend can come too, uh, referencing May. And then Azula says, uh, what about me and my brother? Aren't you going to invite us? And then the two guys look at each other, kind of confused as why this random girl is inviting herself. Um, <laughs> and then Azula says, you don't know who we are, do you? And then Chan says, don't you know who we are? We're Chan and Ron John. Um, <laughs> so apparently Chan is just a very common Chinese surname. But according to the wiki, he really loves his grandmother. Which I don't know how they know this information, but I thought that'd be uh, nice to bring up. <laughs> Aww. But he's also the first character to be directly named after a parent. Mm. Um, the parent being the admiral who was briefly mentioned as taking a vacation on Ember Island in one of the early uh, season three episodes. Mm -hmm. The first one, The Awakening. The first one, indeed. And so I couldn't find any namesakes for Ranjan, but there is this one comment in the wiki that says... Quote, I can't be the only one who notices this, that his name sounds like Ron John, like the surf shop, right? LOL, hell of a coincidence that this episode takes place on a beach, unquote. <laughs> yeah, and I looked it up. It's actually a very popular Whoa. surf shop in California, like R-O-N space J-O-N. Whoa. That's genius. That's cool. Um, Checks out. Yeah, yeah. Comment section's popping off. Also, <laughs> apparently... um. Chan got his name from an avatar writer named Mei Chan. So named after many, many people. But this one's real. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is, this, is this the same Mei Chan whose cat was the namesake of the cat in um, season one? Oh, I think. Yeah. Now the name is maybe ring a bell. But yeah, it wasn't. The I forget what the cat's lady. name is. No, it's yeah, the, herb, the herb, the herb, the herb. Um, was it in the Blue yeah, Spirit? Yeah, it was the Blue Spirit. Yes. Episode? Yes. Mm, right. The, <laughs> yeah, the herb lady. <laughs> Man, Mei Chan, really, really a big namesake for things in the Avatar universe. Mm -hmm. And then Chan says, but fine, you're invited. Just so you know, some of the most important teenagers in the entire Fire Nation are going to be at this party. So try and act normal. <laughs> and then Azula very evilly says, we'll do our best. And then the next scene is the messenger hawk that we um that was sent off earlier just flying through the air um but it gets intercepted by a raven hawk or raven eagle um uh, i don't know i can't remember which uh who ties the black ribbon around the hawk to like tie up its wings so that it falls yeah it's interesting so the extras which i think are more of an official source calls it the raven eagle a mm. raven hawk mm. sorry but the wiki calls it a raven Ooh. eagle so a lot of discrepancies here you're not wrong to have confused it i'm trying to like picture it now and think which one it looks more like not that i know birds very well i guess hawk on hawk like fighting seems like more appropriate <laughs> i don't know 
Um, yeah. Anyways, the messenger hawk falls and the um, other bird takes the letter and gives it to Combustion Man. Dun, dun, dun. And Combustion Man reads it and burns a hole through it with his third eye, which is crazy. Um, and <laughs> a fun fact here is that there was a storyboard scene that was shown at the Anime Expo in 2010 where Combustion Man actually kills the two soldiers who sent the message, you know, to prevent the news that uh, Aang was alive from spreading. However, it was deleted from the final episode because I guess we don't need more deaths in this children's show. <laughs> <laughs> this is already scary enough. Yeah, Lo and Lee really set it off on a very scary, <laughs> scary pace. <laughs> Uh, speaking of scary things, uh, Chan opens the door uh, hours before the party's supposed to start, and Azula standing there, and he says, "Um, you're a little early." And then Azula says, "I heard you telling someone you'd be partying from dusk till dawn. It's dusk, so we're here." Um, and it's pretty funny because the extras here says she is not good at being a normal teen. And then it has her three party <laughs> tips: one, always show up on time. Two, break the ice with a little awkward conversation. And then three, be sure to compliment the host. Yes. Um, <laughs> she gives the best says, compliment later. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then she says, but that's just an expression. And then Inzula says, we are the perfect party guests. We arrive right on time because we are very punctual. Um, and just a small detail that I noticed that I liked here was that um, while Azula is saying this, Tylee is staring at her in admiration um, and May and Zuko are just totally checked out, like not paying attention to what's going on. And then Chan shrugs and he just lets them in and he says, okay, listen, my dad's an admiral and he has no idea I'm having this party, so don't mess anything up. And then Azula smirks and she says, that's a sharp outfit, Chan. <laughs> Careful, you could puncture the hull of an Empire-class Fire Nation battleship, leaving thousands to drown at sea, because it's so sharp. Um, yeah, and just some fun facts here. According to the wiki, uh, Zhao's Empire-class flagship was a colossal vessel approximately twice the length, width, and height of the standard Na Fire Nation cruiser. The primary warship in the Navy's arsenal, the Empire-class ships have three smokestacks instead of two, a different and larger conning tower with several large decks at its base and an ornate gilded rostrum, an emblazonment that is also on Azula's royal sloop. Further, it is sported with Fire Nation flag, which was much grander than the one flown on the standard cruiser. So I think in a way... She's actually complimenting him compared to the average ship. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Such a it. great line. Me and my friends used to always quote this line when we were younger. <laughs> it's the perfect Valentine's Day card. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, and then Chan <laughs> says, um, thanks. Yeah. So we flash forward and the party is in full swing and we hear some music in the background and it's actually... It's the similar music to the music that's played in the headband episode by the Flamios, mm. the band, when they have their party. In the party, we see some of the characters. So we see Ty Lee and all these boys, again, just love her and then try to be like, oh, who do you like the best? And then she's like, I don't know. And then just like does her Ty Lee magic on all of them. And then they all drop <laughs> unconscious. And then Telly just walks away and then finds Azula and she says, 
Boy, I'm so glad you're here. Those boys just won't leave me alone. I guess they all like me too much. And then Zula's like, Come on, Ty Lee, you can't be this ignorant. Those boys only like you because you make it so easy for them. You're not a challenge, you're a tease. It's not like they actually care about who you are. And then Tylee starts crying. Yeah, and I think the extras here are even more savage than Azula is because it says Azula has a unique ability to make people cry. She's good at making people cry in pain too. (laughs) Mm, Damn. Okay. (laughs) All right. Interesting. But uh, things turn around a little bit and Azula says, okay, okay, calm down. I didn't mean what I just said. Look, maybe I just said it because I was a little, you know, jealous. Yeah. And I think this is the first time Azula ever like really apologizes to somebody. Um, And there are no ulterior motives. I don't know. Maybe I guess she just wants her to stop crying. Maybe that's the ulterior motive. But um, it doesn't actually care about her feelings. But she comes across as pretty sincere and vulnerable because um, she is jealous. So she's not lying, at least, even if she is just saying stuff to get her to stop. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, that was a little surprising. You know, a, a little crack in the armor, perhaps. Um, but they reconcile a bit. And then Tylee says, look, if you want a boy to like you, just look at him and smile a lot and laugh at everything he says, even if it's not funny. And then Azula's like, well, that sounds really shallow and stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also think that line shows Azula being very genuine because she's like actually interested Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. in trying it, right? Um, (laughs) So they end up role playing and Tylee poses as being this like smooth guy. And then Azula just laughs way too loud and is really awkward and gets the whole attention (laughs) in the room. Yeah, I believe Tylee says, hey, sweet sugar cakes. Um, And some fun facts. Apparently, that is avatar lingo for the equivalent of babe. So uh, if any of you out there are listening and want to get your girl, now you know what to say. (laughs) Babe is Uh, out. Sweet sugar cakes is in. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What's Abba is not responsible for any physical uh, or mental uh, trauma that you take on by using that term. Putting that out there. So later in the party, Azula asks Chan to take her on a tour of the house. And um, he does. And they have a moment together. And Azula actually takes Tylee's advice and laughs at his jokes. His stupid jokes. And, joke. you know, is nice to him. His <laughs> stupid jokes. And um, kind of gasses him up a little bit. And then they actually have a nice intimate kiss. Um And then Azula, you know, messes it up as she usually does um, by saying something like completely crazy. (laughs) And then uh, Chan runs away. Yeah. Also, just the the joke that he told really reminded me of Sokka. It gave like such Sokka vibes because it was just such a bad joke. And like he always tells his worst jokes when he's trying to impress a girl. Yeah. Going from... One terrible couple to another, uh, Zuko is getting some food to bring back and it gets knocked over by someone and they get in like a confrontation and Zuko says, hey, watch it. That food was from my cranky girlfriend, which not a thing you ever want to say in earshot of your actual girlfriend. (laughs) But yeah, so he sees Ranjan talking to Mei and uh, he says, he goes up and like confronts him. He's like, stop talking to my girlfriend. 
Um, and Ranjan's like, relax, it's just a party. And then Zuko gets up and pushes Ranjan into a vase. Uh, so fun facts about this vase. Uh, <laughs> Rip vase. <laughs> In honor and loving memory of this vase. Yeah. Um, apparently it was Nana's vase. Aww. Yeah. And it was a fire Nana. nation heirloom. Oh, so Zuko mm. actually does some damage here. Actually, not the only damage he does to Fire Nation heirlooms. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just the start. Um, and May's like, Zuko, what is wrong with you? And the Zuko's like, what's wrong with me? And Mai says, your temper's out of control. You blow up every, every little thing. You're so impatient and hot-headed and angry. And then Zuko says, well, at least I feel something as opposed to you. You have no passion for anything. You're just a big blah. And then everyone's <laughs> silent. And then Mai just gets up and she says, it's over, Zuko. We're done. <gasps> and then as she says this, the mm. extras flash. The first breakup in the Avatar series. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's surprising. It's the first and only breakup, perhaps. Mm. Well, I guess Well, I guess uh, Sokka and Yue were a breakup of sorts. They were broken up by the universe. Yeah. Sad. <laughs> yeah. And then there's Korra and Oh my god, what Mako. Yeah. Uh yeah, we don't speak about Korra and their relationships in Korra. <laughs> Unfortunate. Um It's like if you like the beach, then you'll love the relationship drama in Korra, basically. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's fair. So the next scene is Zuko. After he leaves the party, he's just walking along the beach by himself. Um, And there's a full moon here, FYI. And Zuko Mm -hmm. looks up at his old family beach house and he goes there. And as Zuko is walking towards the house, he gets a bunch of flashbacks to happy memories from when he used to go to the beach as a child. So you'll notice if you watch this episode that... These flashbacks are kind of low quality. They look like they could have been made in Microsoft Paint. And that's because maybe they were. They're actually flashbacks from earlier <laughs> in the show from the episodes The Storm and The Avatar State. Yeah. And um, if you take a closer look, you can see um, one of them is Zuko and Azula playing with maybe Ozai or maybe Iroh. I think it's like what's something that's interesting is it's hard to tell um, if the older figure is either Ozai or Iroh in all of these. Um, and then mm-hmm. another one is pretty clearly Iroh actually holding Zuko up uh, while Lutan is on the other side of the sandcastle and they're all playing. But I did think the first one actually was interesting. I never thought that like potentially that the guy could be Iroh instead of Ozai. I kind of like it being Ozai yeah, actually I- just so that there's like at least one moment, even like this brief little flashback where Ozai is like a somewhat normal person. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I was going to bring up the same thing that it's like, it's it's cool that there's ambiguity as to if it's Ozai or Iroh. But I think there is like a portrait that we see front facing where Ozai kind of has his hand on Zuko that looks kind of similar to the flashback from the backside. So that's one reason you might think it's Ozai. But I think there is an episode where Zuko and Iroh embrace and then Zuko has a flashback to one of these memories, mm. which suggests it's Iroh. I, I don't 
totally remember which one. But yeah, I don't know. Still ambiguous, but mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting. Yeah. And then Zuko enters the house and looks at an old photo of his family, the one you were just talking about, where his dad's hand is on his shoulder. And um, then there's another flashback to a photo of Zuko and his mom, and they are making a handprint in some clay. And then he actually finds the old handprint and puts his full-sized hand on top of the handprint, which is like a baby hand. Yeah, it's pretty cute. Yeah, then we flash back to Team Avatar real quick, sleeping. And we see Toph randomly wake up as Combustion Man approaches. Yeah, and a fun fact here is that the location for the volcano where Combustion Man is attacking them and where they're sleeping right now is directly based on a volcanic crater called Viti, which means hell in Iceland. Um, and as we know, they went, you know, Team Avatar in real life went to Iceland to like do research for season three. Um, so... Yeah, I think that's uh, where the scenery is inspired from in this scene. And then Toph says, guys, you're all going to think I'm crazy, but it feels like a metal man is coming. And then Aang wakes up and then we see kind of the reflection of the light uh, against Combustion Man into Aang's eyes. And then he immediately wakes up and realizes what's going on. Then we see Combustion Man staring right at them and attacks. Um, and then Aang kind of like deflects the attack at the last second. And then they continue to fight. Uh, and then back at the beach house, uh, Azula comes and finds Zuko at the old house. Yeah, so Azula and Zuko actually haven't been back to this house since their mother disappeared, which was three years ago, mm. which on one hand is a long time. But on the other hand, it's kind of crazy. It was just three years ago. I don't know. It feels like much longer in showtime. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. That makes me feel for Zuko. Yeah, in my head, it was just something that was like from so long ago, but it's really not. No wonder he's so damaged. Zuko says, so much has changed. And then Azula's like, this place is too depressing. And then uh, asks him to come to the beach with her. I thought this was kind of interesting because it feels like Zuko has such fond memories of his childhood uh, with all the flashbacks, but... Azula very clearly hated her childhood, mm. it seems like, uh, which is interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, that's a good catch. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, so then we cut back to Combustion Man, and he's still blowing everything up. And the extras cut in with some fun facts here. So it says, one, that he was a soldier injured in battle who was later healed using, quote, experimental techniques, unquote. And it gave him the ability to fire Ben mm -hmm. with his mind. Um, but I think the more interesting <laughs> extra here is that it says he is pretty good at keeping secrets because he doesn't speak. So he's the ultimate assassin. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just have some fun facts about combustion bending. Um, it just It's a style of fire bending that allows him to trigger explosions from a third eye tattoo on his forehead. And it's done by channeling chi energy from his stomach into his forehead tattoo. Um, so I guess fire bending is about chi, right? It's like like lightning and stuff like that. So I guess he's just it maybe it's like lightning bending, but he does it through his tattoo. <laughs> um, yeah. Hmm. But so if you got like a tattoo in your hand, could you have an actual finger gun? That'd be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you could. Um, 
But yeah. Anyways, uh, another fun fact about his tattoo is the third eye is an exact replica of the third eye of the Hindu god Shiva, who uh, is associated with the cycle of destruction, transformation, and rebirth. Um, And apparently Shiva is often depicted with a third eye, which when opened engulfs anyone and anything before him in flames. Uh, So I guess this is kind of what happens when combustion, when you meet the third eye of combustion man. Um, yeah. Sounds pretty terrifying. (laughs) Is it Shiva or Shiva? Oh, sorry. I don't know. Yeah, I guess Shiva. Shiva, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) I've mispronounced my fair share of things on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then Sokka says, this is crazy. How can we beat a guy who blows things up with his mind? Um, and then Aang tells the gang to hop on Appa and fly away while he distracts him. And then they eventually escape and the gang catches up to him on Appa. Yeah, this fight scene is actually kind of well done in general, I think. Um, But a couple of things that I just thought. First is you see the battlefield with all those stone pillars. It looks very much like the season finale when they're in that same arena, Aang and Ozai with all the stone pillars. I don't know if they're in the same place or if that was just inspired by this. Um, the second thing is that Aang really loves his like rock man, like yeah. his rock man defense. Like he does it again in this episode where he just like wears a suit of rocks. And I, I, I didn't pick that up yeah. at all before, but it's just funny. I don't get it. Yeah, I have the <laughs> exact same things in my notes. In fact, <laughs> there is an attack Ozai does that kind of sounds like a jet engine and he shoots this blast of fire and the pretty sure the same sound plays here when he uses his big head attack at close range and then Toph says well that was random and it's like the most nonchalant thing you could say in that spot <laughs> um, and then Katara gets very serious and she says I don't think so I get the feeling he knows who we are yeah and I guess one takeaway from all these fight scenes is how can we beat a guy who blows things up with his mind well, they like really can't beat him and they never really can. I mean, until the end when I guess Sokka like strikes his eye. So I guess that, yeah, but I guess like bending doesn't really like none of their bending works against his version of bending, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, wow. It's cool that Sokka is eventually the one who defeats him, uh, given that he said this line. Um yeah, anyways, the next scene is Team Fire on the beach and they're just burning stuff in this uh, bonfire and Zuko burns this old photo of his family and Tylee is like, oh, like, why are you doing that? Um, and, you know, Zuko's being angsty and stuff and uh, Tylee's like, sorry, I was just like, you know, trying to make conversation, whatever. And then Zuko eventually starts taking jabs at Tylee, calling her a circus freak. And Tylee says, yes, I'm a circus freak. Go ahead and laugh all you want. You want to know why I joined the circus and azula says here we go which i think is funny a little nod to the fact that they're old friends um from school and tylee says do you have any idea what my home life was like growing up with six sisters who look exactly like me it was like i didn't even have my own name i joined the circus because i was scared of spending the rest of my life as part of a match set at least i'm different now circus freak is a compliment I think this is a really funny comment. I've definitely seen this meme multiple times on the internet. Um, And it's always a gif of her saying this. And it cuts to her being a Kyoshi warrior because she's exactly like part of a match set. 
Huh. That's really interesting. Uh, <laughs> that's that's funny. Yeah. Whoa. Hmm. I guess she returns eventually to her safe space. <laughs> or I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. But anyways. Yeah. And then May is like, I guess that explains why you need 10 boyfriends too. Um, and this was kind of, I mean, I forgot to mention that like May was kind of defending her against Zuko earlier, but now like she just goes straight to roasting mm-hmm. her, which I thought was yeah, kind of weird. I don't know. I guess May is kind of going through it inside as well. And then Tylee's like, I'm sorry, what? And then May's like, attention issues? You couldn't get enough attention when you were a kid. So you're just trying to make it, uh, make up for it now. And then Tylee's like, what's your excuse, May? You were an only child for 15 years. But even with all that attention, your aura is this dingy, pasty, gray, dot, dot, dot. She gets cut off. Yeah, it's pretty funny here. So the extra says that May majored in psychology at the Royal Fire Academy for Girls. And that aura is a representation for your mood given off by the energy in your body. And some people claim to be able to see them. And Tylee is one of those people. Um which is pretty cool if you connect it to kind of the chakras episode where every chakra has its own color. So maybe it's more than just pseudoscience in the Mm. avatar world. Mm. That's cool. Wow. Never thought of Tylee having this cool ability. Um, Yeah. And another fun fact is that there's a bit of a goof here. Uh, Apparently, you know, well, Tylee says that you were an only child for 15 years to May, but her brother was born like two years ago, which would make her 17 years old. According to Avatar canon, she's only 15 years old. Um, So something isn't adding up, I guess. Anyways, May says, I don't believe in auras. And then Zuko's like, you don't believe in anything. And she's like, oh, well, I'm sorry. I can't be as high strung and crazy as the rest of you. And then eventually she, uh, May keeps talking and she's like, what do you want from me? You want a teary confession about how hard my childhood was? Well, it wasn't. I was a rich only child who got everything I wanted. As long as I behaved and sat still and didn't speak unless spoken to. My mother said I had to keep out of trouble. We had my dad's political career to think about. And then Azula's like, oh, well, that's it then. You have a controlling mother who had certain expectations, and if you strayed from them, you were shut down. That's why you're afraid to care about anything and why you can't express yourself. She's like, you want me to express myself? Leave me alone. Yeah, and then Tylee's like, calm down, you guys. This much negative energy is bad for your skin. You'll totally break out. And then Zuko's like, bad skin? Normal teenagers worry about bad skin. I don't have that luxury. My father decided to teach me a permanent lesson on my face. And then Tylee's like, obviously so embarrassed because, yeah, that's pretty rough. And then Zuko's like, for so long, I thought if my dad accepted me, I'd be happy. I'm back home now. My dad talks to me. Ha, he even thinks I'm a hero. Everything should be perfect, right? I should be happy now, but I'm not. I'm angrier than ever, and I don't know why. And then Azula's like, well, there's a simple question you need to answer then. Who are you angry at? Um, That's a good question. Mm -hmm. Azula is a people person. (laughs) She should be a therapist. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Um, Azula's like, no one. I'm just angry. Uh, And then everyone's like asking him like, oh, is it me? Is it me? And then they're like, come on, answer. And then Zuko's like, I'm angry at myself. And then there's fire goes into the sky. It's like very intense. Yeah, I guess my comment here is that 
the music crescendos here and the fire crescendos and kind of his character arc also crescendos here where he finally has that realization that, hey, I'm a bad person. I want to be better. And then the fire dies down. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very powerful. Um, and then, and then he's like, or, and then Azula's like, why? And Suka's like, because I'm confused because I'm not sure I know the difference between right and wrong anymore. Um, and then May and Zuko make up, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> and... Yeah. Like everyone celebrate. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> um, and then, and then Azula's like, okay, you're pathetic. And then Zuko's like, I guess you wouldn't understand, would you, Azula? Because you're just so perfect. And then finally they get to Azula. And she's like, well, yes, I guess you're right. I don't have sob stories like all of you. I could sit here and complain how our mother liked Zuko more than me, but I don't really care. My own mother thought I was a monster. She was right, of course, but still hurt. <laughs> but yeah, I thought I thought this was a good scene. I mean, it's a good scene for a number of reasons, but... One thing I think that's pretty revealing is that they kind of each had their moment where they each kind of talk about their problems and come to somewhat of a resolution, except for Azula. And Azula doesn't ever really confront her, I guess, past traumas or like her own flaws. I think that's part of the reason why, or yeah. That's part part of the reason why she goes down the path she does and isn't able to come out a better person in the end like everyone else. Yeah, um, I agree. I think it's a very good scene. Um, However, I think there's also a bit of like emotional whiplash. Like I think some of the lines I wasn't fully buying into. um, But like in the end, like it it just like it it, like with the stuff with Zuko, for example, felt like so... um, raw and like real so i just wanted to ask like what you guys i guess on you just gave your thoughts but like what did you guys think of the dialogue i guess like was this conversation believable like i think you know obviously like each person has their little perfect moment where they get to like monologue but did it work or was it like a little forced i'll so. i'll add on real quick before dustin goes but i i actually agree with you joyce like that's why i think I think this whole episode has some really good moments, but has some like weird moments too. And I don't think it's totally believable. They kind of do like each have their own perfect moment, which is a little weird. I don't know if that's super real. And yeah, it kind of just goes kind of back and forth. Um, And it doesn't feel, yeah, something about it feels slightly off. And that's not like sometimes Avatar is so good that if everything feels perfect and everything makes sense, but I don't know that this scene quite hits that mark either. Yeah, I think this is just a general flaw of the format of the show. This definitely could have been an hour-long episode and, you know, make smooth things out. Mm. But, I mean, last episode, Sokka went from suddenly butthurt about not being able to bend (laughs) to sword master with space sword. So, I I think there's a lot of, like, patient things throughout the show that we already kind of suspend our disbelief for. And the fact that they're trying to do it with four mm-hmm. disparate characters, three of which we don't really know much about until this point in the show, about their motivations or anything really, um, I think is a really hard thing to pull off. And I think given the circumstances, this is like the best you could have possibly hoped for. Because um, if you think about 
later in this episode with boiling rock and the um kind of emotions that go into may and highly betraying azula like that has to happen over two episodes and i think given what they're able to achieve in Mm, one episode mm -hmm. i think it's pretty Mm. pretty crazy yeah totally that does make sense and i agree nice um and so at the end of the scene azula says you know what would make this trip really memorable and then they go back to the party and they just destroy everything (laughs) in chan's place um may uses her signature shuriken things to cut all of the paintings tylee swings from the chandeliers and breaks all of them they just smash everything up and then at the end we have another one of those low-res microsoft paint images of the team together smiling uh amid a bunch of fire and everyone's happy <laughs> is this growth <laughs> yeah I don't, it is kind of a confusing ending because like I think it's it is more growth than not because they're all bonded, but they yeah, did just yeah. like destroy everything, and I don't know if that was super warranted. <laughs> so maybe they're still a little confused. That's so funny. Yeah, that's true. I guess that's what they needed. It's pretty funny though. Um, yeah. So that's the end of this episode, and let's get on to our ratings. I'll give this episode a five. I think I discussed most of what I thought of it already uh, a couple minutes ago. I think in general, rather than it being a purely average episode, I think there are some highs and then as well as some lows. Like I think Zuko's scene at the campfire is really good. Um, And I think a lot of the little moments that happen, for example, when Zuko's walking around and has some memories and stuff uh, are really good. But I do feel like a lot of things, a lot of the dialogue it's a little bit on the nose, like not everything, like if things feel a little bit off at times uh, with the dialogue, um, the Aang storyline was a little underwhelming. And yeah, I, I don't know that I would rewatch this episode again, for example, if I was just watching through the show again. So. Yeah, I think I would give it an eight. Um I have the exact opposite take where of the episodes I would rewatch in this season, this is definitely one of them. Um, I think this episode probably goes the furthest outside of Tales of Bossing Say, which, you know, ironically has the same writer to humanize the Fire Nation. And I think that's like a very important aspect of the show. Um, and beyond that, it just does a ton of character development and also for characters we don't get to see a lot of and has one of Kazuko's more pivotal realizations. And I think all of those things makes this episode super interesting and yeah, exactly. Uh, like you said earlier, Joyce, it doesn't really feel like a filler episode. It's, and as Anand said, it subverts a lot of those expectations um, to the point where when I was watching it, and I, I always held the opinion that this was like a very core episode. It never felt like filler. Um, I don't know if the show would have ended or if the character development would have panned out the same way if this episode was taken out. So, yeah. Whereas a lot of the earlier episodes of the season felt very filler. You know, you could have taken it out and like nothing would have changed. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, 
Yeah, I gave it a seven. I was between a seven and an eight, but I think I knocked it down to a seven because I do think a lot of it was just like, um, I mean, like I love silly, like silly episodes, but yeah, maybe like the last conversation, because I was really looking forward to rewatching this. I think the last conversation by the fire maybe wasn't as satisfying as I had in mind, I guess maybe because my expectations were so high, but I think what you said, Justin, like t- really makes sense. Like it's not filler because I feel like the show would not be the same without it. Um, where like we don't get very many chances to see our favorite foes uh, and they're like inner demons and like get to know them better. But this is like really the only chance we get to do that. Um, I guess Zuko alone is like all about Zuko, but this is like, you know, the other the other Fire Nation baddies um and like I don't know I can't help but like really like them in this episode I think that adds to the rest of the show it's like every single character is very compelling um through the through the rest of the season um it's also like it just feels like funny and relatable because it's like social situations like everyone has been in like in a party and like said weird things and like the rest of the show is so like fantastical and like dramatic and like you know it's good versus evil and like I feel like this is just like lighthearted and like a really easy rewatch so yeah I would totally rewatch this over and over again too um so yeah give it a seven cool uh yeah so that concludes this episode of the podcast thank you guys so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed our discussion of the beach this season will be releasing on the first wednesday of every month so we'll see you next time on what's up a wednesday for our discussion of the avatar and the fire lord if you want to stay up to date on when we release or submit thoughts or questions on the episodes be sure to follow us on instagram at at what's underscore oppa or you can email us at what's at gmail.com Also, subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, be sure to hit us with a five-star rating. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. See ya, sweet sugar cakes.